When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good day to you, Rush Nation listeners. Your man on the mic, as always, Nick Owen, bringing you the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast. Duetting with me, as always, Mark Ferguson. Mark, how are we doing? Doing really well, Nick. Good had stuff. a pretty decent week last week. I had um, one very high-scoring high lineup. Came um, There's some good and some bad news about this. I'll start with the good. It, this lineup came sixth out of 178,000. Wow. Which sounds like you should win some life-changing sort of money. But yeah. as it turned out, it was in the dime time. So it wasn't quite so life-changing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really frustrating as the previous 10 weeks, I've never played anything that cheap. If I played, used the same bankroll management I'd used the previous 10 weeks, it would have been a four-figure win. Oh. Which, is, which I know sounds like it's the old, if you lose, you think you wish you spent less. If you win, you wish you spent more. But the reason I did that was this, because I've been doing so well in Showdown, I thought I was putting more money into Showdown last week than I was Classic. And then this happened, this sixth, this sixth um, position happened, and I lost a showdown. 
um, so yeah, so it was great that it showed that the sort of lineups I'm building, you know, with correlated lineups and leverage plays can take down big tournaments. That's great. It's not just, you know, it's actually working in practice. Uh, just a bit frustrated with my own bankroll management, which is bad on my part and I need to do better. So always, always like a hindsight thing, isn't it? You always yeah. look back on something like that and you think, why didn't I enter this? You know, I always, I, I like doing a football accumulator and if one ever wins, I can guarantee it will have been one that I'll have put one pound or two pound on rather than five pounds. And you just think, why have I done that? Why did I, why did I act differently there? But yeah, hindsight, hindsight doesn't win anything in daily fantasy sports, as we know. No. No, it gives me a little bit of money. I'm going back to as I was playing for the previous 10 weeks now, for week 12. Um, there was, there was one particular miss, so player-wise, which frustrated me. I was quite heavy on the um, on the New England game, and I didn't really appreciate quite how well-owned Jacoby Myers was going to be. Mm. I thought he was going to be quite low-owned, and actually turned out to be, I think, almost the third highest-owned player on the slate. If I'd realised how, how, how high-owned he was, I would have moved to Demir Bird. Yeah. Just because of that's how I play, and that's what a leverage. That's the definition of a leverage play. And he scored twenty nine points this week, so that was another example of of how important it is to own to know ownership beforehand, especially if yeah. you're playing in large tournaments. And I failed on that this week. Just just for our listeners that either might be new to the podcast this week or might be new to daily fantasy sports, you mentioned leverage play there, Mark. So just give us a brief overview on what a leverage play is. Mm. It's a play which allows you to overtake much of the field if a certain thing happens. So last week, there was a couple of great examples of leverage plays that did or didn't work out. So we knew that Dalvin Cook was going to be very highly owned, about 40% or something like that. So a leverage play would have been to play somebody like Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson, because if Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson are scoring points, Dalvin Cook cannot score points. And then, so then you overtake, all the people who are owning Dalvin Cook. Mm. That one didn't particularly work out because they all did well. Mm. The Minnesota game. Uh, Minus and that Minnesota was, themselves in the end. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that was, that, that was the stack which was in that, um, that highest scoring lineup I had. Another example being, you know that lots of people are owning Jacoby Myers, so you picked Demir Bird, who was under 1% owned. So if it happens that Myers fails and somebody else does well and it happens to be Bird, because there's always a certain number of fantasy points that go around a team each week. I think it averages about 75 points or something like that on offense. Then you've, had, you've got leverage on, on the rest of the field because you've got a player who scored a lot of points that they haven't. Mm. You can't make your lineup completely out of leverage plays. It's just too much has to happen. Yeah. But, but you, what you'll find is a lot of the winning lineups in big tournaments, because when you're, when you're playing down against hundreds of thousands of players, you need to differentiate, say, differentiate yourself somehow and you'll find that um a lot of those have those winning ones will have maybe one or two of those sort of plays in their lineup yeah i didn't have quite as good a weekend as you i was getting giddy at one point mark as you know we did we did chat whilst things were things were taking place uh, obviously we do the tiers between ourselves so just to update on the tiers score i have taken week three of the tiers so i've taken a two-one lead with a score of 180.74. How did you get on on, on the tiers, Matt? Oh, I've just seen your score, actually, 117.22. Ouch. 
that I thought is, you were going to make me say it. I thought you were being cruel and making me say it. That, that is a whitewash. That is. It's, it's embarrassingly bad. If it was a boxer, the towel would have been thrown in well and truly. I think. But you had a great tears week. At one point, it looked like you were going to win some yeah, really decent money. At one point, I mean, and it, it was a decent. It was. It wasn't a massive stake. It was only a three dollar stake. But at one point, I was edging towards literally being a couple of plays away from probably being in the the higher end money. Um, what let me down ultimately in the end, which is the one that I'd have said was the safest bet of all of all of the players I'd picked, was Alvin Kamara, who finished on a disappointing ten point five points, forty five rushing yards. Really poor week for him, and unfortunately, I also had him installed in a lot of my lineups. And you know, when you when you're paying, I think he was nine thousand two hundred maybe last week. Yeah. Yeah. When you're paying that much for a player like that, you're expecting an output of at least, I would say, 20 points, anything less than that, and it's a disappointing week. So or you, you at least want the average that that player's outputting. Um, so that, that pretty much let me down in most of my classic lineups, and it's the only thing that let me down in the tiers lineup, unfortunately. Everybody else was putting up pretty stellar scores. Even Jonathan Taylor had a decent, decent weekend for, for his standards prior. Thank you, Indianapolis, gonna, for finally giving him an opportunity to run the ball. Yeah, you're going to die on that hill, aren't you? That Jonathan absolutely, Taylor absolutely. Yeah, it was so unfortunate you, um, though. I watched watched the game, uh, or I watched the the highlights as they were happening on Red Zone, and he was so unfortunate at times. I th- he had a walking touchdown in previous weeks that was held back with a holding call. He, he had a holding call against him in this game, which I'm not sure. I can't remember if it did go to the house or not but he's, he seems he seems like he has these big plays and they get flagged back and then the play after Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins steps in and you know they, they result in either a touchdown or a big gain and it makes Taylor's production look look bad then because it, everyone around him is doing, doing more but no he had, he had a decent week 15.4 points 90 rushing yards Four receptions, not too bad, that. That game was so frustrating. That cost me money. All those holding calls at the end. Mm. Because it allowed Green Bay to go back down the field and score points. It cost me, it might cost me about $100, just those holding calls. So it was so frustrating. I was, I was up, obviously, anybody up watching that would have been tired because it was like half 12. And I was just well, willing that game to end because of all my plays are in the other game. And they kept getting held and held and held. Strongly worded letter of complaint coming into Green Bay from Mark. (laughs) Mark, this is one of my favourite weeks of the season. It's Thanksgiving week. And anyone that's new to the sport, the reason why this week stands out is despite we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, it gives us a reason to eat and celebrate with our brothers and sisters from across the water. But more importantly for us, is we get more football at more watchable times. So usually we have a Thursday night game, we have the main slate Sunday, we have the late game Sunday, and then the what's essentially becomes the, the Monday morning game for us. And then we have the Tuesday morning game, given that the, the played at AM in you know early hours, one thirty. So this week we get a couple of watchable timing games on Thursday so we start off with the Detroit and Houston game 
we then move on to the game that I'm most looking forward to, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but the Washington football team and Dallas Cowboys. Um, and the reason I'm most looking forward to that is because I won't be awake for the Baltimore and Pittsburgh game, sadly, which is the pick of the bunch, quite clearly. But I'm really looking forward to this Thursday, Mark. Mm. You're gonna, people are going to start thinking you're a Washington fan because last <laughs> week you picked half the offensive players and now you're excited about this game. Yeah. I am too. Interestingly, with the Ravens-Steelers game, because of the COVID situation there, we've got no idea how many players are actually going to fly out mm. to the game. And they're talking today that they might fly out, fly out on Thursday itself. So how that's going to impact on them, I don't know. But, um, but that game is definitely... It's definitely one to keep an eye on the news on, really. Especially in this whirlwind season that we've had so far. Um, so definitely one to keep an eye on there, as you said. Is there anyone, obviously we're going to have a slate for Thanksgiving on Thursday, Mark, but we're limited to those three games. So is there anyone that is initially catching your eye? Anyone that you're looking at? Because I know for sure I'll be definitely putting a lineup in. I certainly won't be going crazy on it because of the teams that are playing, but I'll definitely be putting a line-up in. Can I start with two players I don't think anybody should play, but I think they will, mm. to be honest. Um, Duke, Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson of the Texans. I'm sure he's going to be a popular play because of Detroit giving up so many fantasy points to running backs, but I don't think anybody can have any faith in him any, at, at the moment, mm-hmm. the way he's been performing the last few weeks. And the second one is Gus Edwards, because... J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram have been ruled out because they both tested positive for COVID. They can't come back in time for Thursday night. Gus Edwards is really the only the only back left for them, and I suspect people would think he'll have a bell cow role. But the Steelers' defense gives up the least fantasy points to that position, so I think it's a clever play and it's definitely a leverage play. Let everybody else play those players, and you go other ways. And I think there's a few ways you can go. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think you know the. the the team that Baltimore are anyway, what will likely happen in that game when we review the stat sheet, Lamar Jackson will be playing quarterback and Lamar Jackson will be mainly playing running back. So, yeah, yeah I, I completely get the reason why we maybe missed those two off. There's a few that I've got my eye on. We actually discussed prior to just coming on the pod, Mark, didn't we, that you know, we're, we're, we both quite like the play of DeAndre Swift, but obviously Definitely. that is going to be dependent on him returning. So, what you can what you can put together with this slate of games on Thanksgiving Thursday is quite a reasonably good lineup for you know what what where the players are actually priced it's quite an average price across the board so you won't have anyone that's up at you know 8 9000 like you would in the main slate on Sunday but what that does allow you to do is put together quite a good lineup so you know the players that you you'd usually expect to be higher or you you wouldn't be able to fit them in you can in this in this kind of format yeah you could pretty much play anybody you want to mm. the the one thing i don't like making well, i've made a few few lineups so far is i keep ending up with too many players in the early games so with it being with the three games starting at different times ideally i'd like to have at least two or three players from the last game so that if i'm doing well, I can play the sort of the chalky players, the players which are very popular. If I'm not doing well, I can play the players which I think will be very low owned because I've got nothing to lose and it might allow me to catch up on the field. The problem is I don't like many options in the Ravens-Steelers game at all. 
think I've only got the only one I've currently got in my lineup is actually Chase Claypool, which mm. I could quite easily pivot off because he's one of the higher end receivers at six thousand one hundred. I like Juju. If I have to pick one of those those three receivers, I prefer Juju at the moment just because I think he'll be the least owned. So again, that's another example of a leverage play. If everybody picks Johnson and Claypool and Juju's the one who scores all the points, then you you you've got an advantage there. So I like if I was I've got Juju in my lineups, but generally I've usually filled up my lineup with the first two games. Yeah. Um it's 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 a funny one because you can put together such a good lineup and there's not there's no one I specifically like the look of, but there's no one where I've specifically put them in my lineup and thought I don't like the look of that because the games that apply I mean Washington and Dallas isn't a great caliber game for what we've got on the field and what we're what we're gonna be picking from. You know, Ezekiel Elliott in seasons gone by would absolutely walk into your lineup, but he just isn't as productive as we know Ezekiel Elliott can be. That being said, I do have him in my flex position at the moment. But of that game, you know, Antonio Gibson's really impressed me of late. If for anyone who watched Red Zone, that the CD lamb catch last week in the end zone was an absolute blinder, like a fish out of water trying to catch that ball. Mm. So I've got him in my lineup at the moment at 5,400, but there's always that risk, I suppose, with Dallas that the ball could be spread to one of three, potentially four receivers if you're including Dalton Schultz in that as well. But yeah, it's um, definitely one, I think, for the listeners to have a look at. You've got a, a smaller player pool, so it's it's a lot easier to build a good lineup, shall we say, from the Thursday slate games. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have a little interest in there, Mark. Absolutely. The um, <clears throat> one thing is crucial because it's such, like I say, it's a smaller player pool. Is trying to differentiate yourself from the rest of the field. And there's a the one the first way to do that is to not not feel you need to spend all your money. That's one way. And, and we talked about this briefly beforehand. I think you can make a pretty decent lineup for about forty seven k. Uh, the other way, which which I'm going, which I've done, and this is going to sound completely mad, I'm playing both Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick in the same lineup. In one, I don't think that'll be a very popular option. Washington and in Dallas, it's weird. If you look at the statistics of it, Washington's defense comes up really good. Doesn't give up points to many fantasy positions at all, mm. except for tight end. But and whereas Dallas does give up a lot of fantasy points pretty much across the board. Yeah. Especially to wide receiver ones. So, you know, I think Terry McLaurin probably possibly be the most, the highest owned player all, all on the slate. So it makes you wonder why they're both three and seven. Because <laughs> Washington's got this amazing defense statistically and Dallas has an awful defense statistically. So. What I like about this game, and I think this is why I'm looking forward to it so much, is that this could be looking back it could be a division clinching game so you know I know you've still got the Eagles and the Giants have been playing better of late but the NFC East is still wide open and that's why I'm I I, I can't wait for this game I'll definitely be enjoying it with a beer you know Thanksgiving I'll probably probably talk some food around as well you know we're we're on a bit of a health kick in this house at the moment but it's thanksgiving so you know it's only only get it one time a year we don't get to celebrate it so 
I'll see if we can get some uh, some nice food in and sit down and enjoy the football. Nice peace and quiet. Yeah, I, I love the 5.30 start. First game's on at 5.30. That's fantastic. I remember the first time I... Well, when I first got into NFL and... I was I was into NFL casually for quite a few years, but then I remember the first time I watched a Thanksgiving game and I came home and turned on Sky Sports and I was thinking, well, we've got live football on. What's going on? But yeah, like you said, that 5.30 start is a lovely little gem that we get dropped in at this time of year. And for that reason, it is one of my favourite favorite weeks that we get. We'll move on to the main slate, Mark. So we're looking at the games on Sunday early starts and then the nine o'clock games onwards and as always we'll kick off with the quarterbacks so is there anyone specifically that you've got your eye on this coming weekend so I think there's lots of good options on the expensive quarterbacks again that seems to be quite a common theme Mm. but my favorite at his price is Josh Allen love that pick tell me more yeah I think well, this game should be a shootout, weather permitting. Now, obviously, it's November and it's East Coast, so it's northeast as well. So that's something you need to keep an eye on. But Josh Allen has been fantastic from a fantasy, fantasy point of view in shootout games. If you look at his, his scores, the ones when he has down weeks, they tend to be the sort of tighter games and the lower scoring mm-hmm. games. Whenever there's a high scoring game, he is such a big part of that offence both in the passing and his own running, uh, that he scores well. He also has an obvious stacking option with Stefan Diggs, which I like. I like quarterbacks where, it's, where you've got you know, a quality option to stack them with. So, yeah, I can't see, can't see any downside. Mm. Yeah, I like that pick, and that's someone that I had my eye on as well, certainly at the, the higher end of the bracket. But I quite like the, if you want to call it a budget pick, of Derek Carr. Um, he does also present a nice stack this week because the Falcons, and I will come back to it a little bit further on, but the Falcons are the statistically the worst team against tight ends. So even though it's not a position we tend to get much production from, you've got that connection though with Carr and Darren Waller, who's his most targeted receiver. Um, I think that... I always look at Derek Carr and I always think pretty good quarterback, but not that relevant when it comes to any sort of fantasy format. And what I mean by that is you don't tend to see the the big weeks from Derek Carr, even when you've got those favorable matchups, it tends to be a pretty consistent score with maybe the odd lower score thrown in there as well. But when I actually had a look, I was pleasantly surprised at, you know his actual stats that he's 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 output this season. He's not got a great average at eighteen point four, but he's thrown three interceptions to nineteen touchdowns, um, and he's actually on on course. I think with his average yards per game, he's on course for just shy of four thousand. So a, a pretty pretty decent year. I think he, he had that year if you remember where he was in MVP discussions and then got injured prior to the playoffs, a really serious injury. We've not really seen that Derek Carr since, but I think the Raiders have surprised me this year, and they've they've sort of got they've not really got like a a number one receiver. I suppose you'd class Darren Waller as the number one receiver, but they've got bodies who they can get the ball out to, you know, 
Hunter Renthrow, who, who he, he earned the name third and Renthrow, um, you know, for his third down conversions. You've got Aguilar, who looks like a rejuvenated receiver there. And Josh Jacobs on the ground, he's, he's always going to keep defences honest. So at the price, 5,700, Falcons aren't a, a very good team when it comes to um, you know, what they give up points per game to the position, I think is around 28, 29 per week. So that that's a reasonably high, it's certainly a higher score than what Derek Carr is averaging. So I, I quite like that play there. I, I like it too. I think if you look, um, Carr's highest scores are in shootout games. Mm. And this, like Josh Allen's, and this game is is meant to be a shootout. The implied total is the highest, got the highest implied total on the slate at the moment. In terms of budget players, I actually like the other side with Matt Ryan at 5.9. There's a couple of reasons for this. One of them being just the nature of how I play because the Falcons were awful fantasy-wise across the board last week. So disappointing and so so unexpected as well. Mm. So I suspect that his ownership will be down, but they're back at home. The Falcons tend to do better at home. And actually, I'll come on to that a little bit later as well when we're looking at wide receiver position. Speaking and the of... Raiders, hmm? oh, the Raiders, on, sorry, the Raiders don't really shut down any position other than tight end in terms of fantasy points. So I think, um, I think the Falcons as a whole could be quite sneaky plays. Yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of Matt Ryan, I was actually eyeing him up when uh, prior to coming, coming on to record the podcast today, I was looking at the tiers lineup for this week mm-hmm. and, you know, not... <laughs> feel like I'm giving away the spoilers here for when it comes to tears because um, we will come on to that a little bit further on. But I like Matt Ryan in, in the tears section that he's in this week. So I, I completely agree with you on that. I you know, really like that pick and reasonably priced as well. I do expect that game to be a high scorer. Yeah, he's, um, he's, it's one of those players, he's, he's a little bit like Derek Carr in the fact that you don't feel he's, you feel he's better as a real-life quarterback than a fantasy quarterback. Yeah. But he does have. I'm just checking the figures now. And but he does. He has also the ability to get over to get 28 points or so, which is more than four times his salary. Yeah. So you know, if you did that across the board, that's 200 points. You'd be you'd be pretty happy. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose yeah. when when he's always when he's got the talent that he has at his disposal, with the uh, with with Jones, with Ridley, with Gage, Hurst. You know, he's got Todd Gurley out the backfield he's always got that potential to have a 300-yard game with three touchdowns to go with it. So, love that pick. Who who are you liking at running back? Okay, so my expensive running back is Derek Henry. So, the reason I go for Derek Henry is because there's a lot of uncertainty at the top and his price has dropped again. Derek Henry's, it's gone down. I mean, it's only gone down by 100 but it's down below 8K now, so 7.9. Mm-hmm. And every week, Derrick Henry is the player who has most likely to score 40 or 50 points. Yeah. So I suspect his price has dropped, and, and I think his ownership will drop because he's facing Indy, who've got a reputation as a very good defence. But we're getting to... This is Derrick Henry's season now, isn't it? Late November, coming yeah. into December. Getting a low-owned Henry is... It's like... I feel like from a fantasy point of view, it's like how I'm going to feel when this lockdown ends. It's such a high to get a low-owned Henry. 
And I think this week might be the week. So that's who I like. Who are you going for high price running back? Yeah, I mean, there's a few that I quite like the look of. Dalvin Cook looks like an obvious this week, even though he is priced at 9500 9, Bottom line is he is playing Carolina, who are, again, statistically one of the worst teams against running backs. Um there's a few in the sort of tier below that where you've you've got Derek Henry's, like you said, is priced at seven nine. Josh Jacobs is at seven thousand two hundred. Nick Chubb seven thousand one hundred, and he doesn't look like he's missed a beat at all coming off his injury. My only concern with Chubb is that he didn't seem to be getting goal line carries last week. Kareem Hunt seemed to be getting them, and I know that you mentioned prior to coming on and recording the podcast today, Matt, that there was a couple of opportunities where he'd had and it had either been pulled back or something just didn't quite come off with the play but my concern I suppose with Chubb is always that whilst Kareem Hunt is there he'll always eat into his 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 snap share if you will and you know Chubb's quite clearly the RB1 in Cleveland but I think it's almost like one of those hot hand kind of things there was a point in the game where Chubb was looking quite inefficient and then he pulled it back in the second half um, but yeah, the, it's it's I suppose it's just that threat of the goal line carries you would expect would go to Chubb and they didn't seem like they were last week. But I do like him at the price though and I do like the matchup against Jacksonville, especially given that Jacksonville has just announced that Mike Glennon will be slinging the ball for them this week. So I just think that again plays into the hands of Cleveland. They look like a team destined for the playoffs at the moment. Um, who I do quite like and again I certainly can't I certainly can't I'm not hanging my hat on this one put it that way but Giovanni Bernard I'm going to throw him out there at 5'7 5'7 5'9 5'7 just checking the price there so yeah yeah, the reason I like Giovanni Bernard is uh, obviously Mixon's been put on injured reserve this week and won't be back till week 14. If you remember back a couple of, a few weeks back anyway, when, when he first stepped in for Mixon, he had two weeks on the bounce where he had 20 points, minimum 20 points. And then since then, he's had single figures for the last two weeks. Um, his price has actually increased this week with Mixon being out. But I think why I like Bernard is... The injury to Joe Burrow, I just have a feeling that Bernard will be more involved in the game because I think when you've got, you know, having Joe Burrow not there, the Bengals have been a team that have thrown the ball a lot this season. And I think when you've not got a quarterback who you can rely on, which they won't have now, between now and the end of the season. I think you just sort of lean on your experienced heads. And what I do like about Bernard is that he does always contribute in receiving as well. He's, he's always there for the check down. So you, you always get that dual threat out of him. My only concern with Bernard is that the last two weeks, his snap percentage, his offensive snap percentage has dropped. So he was at a point a couple of weeks back where he had quite a big split of the offensive snaps, and now it's it's more it's not a million miles away from being equal between him and Pirine. So that was one to watch, but 
I just have a feeling that the Bengals will lean on Bernard as one of the the one of the heads that's been in that team for quite a number of years now. Um, it's certainly not one that I feel absolutely safe and secure on. But at five seven for a running back that's absolutely going to be starting, you would assume that's a reasonable price. Yeah, I've I've definitely got some interest in him. I just want to quickly go back to your Cleveland point. Cleveland have played in three terrible game environments the last three weeks. Absolutely awful. They had two wind affected and in that that rain last week. So I don't think you can necessarily judge anything about that offense based on the last three weeks. Mm. I know Chubb wasn't back for all of those and stuff, so they might surprise us. Also talking about high-priced running backs, I really want to know what you're doing with Alvin Kamara this week because he disappointed so much last week. He's gone from getting double-digit targets and every week, and then Taysom Hill comes in and you receive one target, which you didn't catch. And at his price this week, which is on the screen now, it's 8.2. I'm wondering if you've got any interest in him at all. I suppose the interest is always there because it's Alvin Kamara. I think it it seems quite clear to me that Taysom Hill coming in is potentially one of the reasons why his production wasn't there last week, which is odd to say because you'd expect Taysom Hill coming in having never started a game, I don't think, in the NFL up to that point at quarterback. You'd have thought, you know, a quarterback's best friend is his check down option there, he's running back out of the backfield, he's tight end. But I think with with Taysom Hill, I mean, you've got the rushing attempts there from Taysom Hill, which you wouldn't normally have with Drew Brees. He's not necessarily got the same established connection with Kamara as what Drew Brees has had for a number of seasons now. So I just think there's a if if I'd have seen the same sort of stat line or even just a small drop off last week, Mark, I'd have been quite I'd have been quite happy with that. And he is priced at eight thousand two hundred, which it's it's not I don't think it it's not his lowest price this year, but it's by no means his highest price. He was nine thousand two hundred last week, so a whole thousand knocked off his price. But while there's that uncertainty there at quarterback in New Orleans, then I'm just reluctant to put him in my lineup, to be honest, until I see a difference in his stat line. What yeah, about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm usually pretty cautious. Anyway, generally the way I play play players, I don't usually let one week influence me enormously. So yes. I'm, so I might. If I play enough lineups, I give him a chance. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Just, just in case, just in case he's low owned for all these reasons you've just said, and then he goes off, then you're going to want him in your lineup. But him and Derek Henry are at this funny price point, aren't they? Where they're kind of stuck between McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, because as we're going to when we talk about wide receivers, there's so much value in wide receiver. I think people will be paying up at running back. And I just wonder whether Kamara is the one who misses out. Yeah. Out of those principles. Um, my cheaper and value running back, I like, is Wayne Gorman of the Giants. He's only 5K. He's been quietly getting more touches every week. In fact, last couple of weeks, you could almost call him Belkow. <laughs> He's been getting the majority of the red zone touches and targets. He comes up against a Bengals D, which is nothing to be scared of, scared of in terms of fantasy points to a a running back, they're playing, you know, 
Cincinnati with their new quarterback. So I'm quite high on the Giants doing well in this game. And I think um, at 5K, he allows you to he allows you to create a slightly different type of. As I just said, as we just as, as we talked briefly before we started recording, I think the main most people will be creating lineups with expensive running backs and cheaper wide receivers. Mm. And by putting him in, it means you play a slightly different um, roster construction to much of the field. Yeah. So I do like him this week. Yeah, I like that pick. You mentioned receivers, Mark, so we will move mm. swiftly on to the receivers because I feel like there's so much value here this week. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few that I'm, I'm liking the look of, um, all at a very similar price bracket. So there's a bracket of receivers from about 4,500, 4,600 up to around 5,200. And you could pretty much build a lineup from those receivers given you know the matchups they've got. Um, there's a couple that I really like. Curtis Samuel seems to have been more and more involved in recent weeks in Carolina's not only passing game, but he's, they also seem to be using him quite effectively out of the backfield as well on on a few plays. Um, you know, jet sweeps and things like that. He's had in his last his last four appearances, he's had at least twenty points three times. So. It's almost at a point now with Curtis Samuel where it doesn't seem like it's a fluke anymore, and it's I, I can't really ignore him at five thousand one hundred. Um, I quite like Sterling Shepard's price as well, especially against Cincinnati. I think New York Giants are they'll go into that game as as the favourites definitely. Daniel Jones is starting to look more certainly more competent than he did at the start of the season, and Sterling Shepard despite his his history with injuries when he does play he is efficient and he is someone that's heavily targeted um you know his last four games eight targets 10 targets eight targets six targets so the target share is always going to be there and what you get with Sterling Shepard as well is he's a good pair of hands he's safe so I quite like that but my my play this week at receiver I'm going Michael Pittman a slow start for him because obviously he had the issues with his injury um, and then coming back from injury, I think it maybe just took him a couple of weeks to get up to speed, to get up and running, but he has absolutely took off the last two weeks. So, you know, he's he's in a favourable matchup this week against the Titans. I looked and they're surrendering around 43.5 points to opposition receivers. So, you know, he's not the worst in the league, but it's down there. It's It's sort of like fifth, sixth worst. Um, what I like about Pittman is when you look at the production the Colts have had from his position this season, it's not been great. T.Y. Hilton does, looks nothing like the T.Y. Hilton we're accustomed to seeing. Zach Pascal isn't really someone you can rely on. They've had a couple of experiments at tight end with Moali Cox, Trey Burton, Jack Doyle in recent weeks. There just doesn't really seem like the, the, the ball is... is I, I, wouldn't surprise me if Naheem Hines is one of the most targeted on the team coming out of the backfield. But it seems like there's there's not much in terms of production coming from the position. That's changed in recent weeks as you've seen Pittman score back-to-back double-figure scores now in, in week 10 and week 11. But what I did notice, Mark, is that he's been on the field for at least 80% of the Colts' offensive snaps. And when you compare that with his colleagues so to speak, at receiver, he absolutely swallows them in terms of 
snap share percentage. So I think this is a game where, again, it could be a shootout. Who do I favour? It's hard to say because Indianapolis seems to be one of those teams at the moment where they're in close games every week. Um, and, and I suppose you've always got the risk of that, that Phil Rivers has always got a good interception or two in him. But I think this is a game where both teams are probably going to need to wear the ball out, ball out a little bit. And I think that's why it does lend to someone like Pittman and 5,000. Quite like that price. I, I love both Samuel and Pittman. Curtis uh, Samuel, I like for all the reasons you just said, and he's the red zone leader on the um, on the team, other than the running backs in terms of touches. So that's great. Michael Pittman is a fantastic player this week. Mm. Um, Tennessee are are a pass runner. They kind of want teams to pass on them, and so I think, and he's clearly the leader now. I think also you can if you put um, Pittman and Henry in a lineup together, that's a great little mini stack which lends itself well to a very a very um, believable game stack of you know of Tennessee running, running, running the ball, scoring points, Indy having to come back, so passing it more. Pittman's on the field more than anybody else. Yeah. They're very good correlation correlation together, those two. So I love them. I love both those picks. I um I also like from a more expensive point of view, I really like Calvin Ridley this week. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, he's in the highest game highest um, implied total game. There are still health concerns with Julio. I think I read today that they might not, they'll probably test him out pre-game to see if he's going to play. But one thing that really stood out for me was Ridley scores over 10 fantasy points more at home than away. And so now they're at home in a very favourable matchup. What's not like? Yeah, I like that. I think what what you always get with Ridley is he, he, he has the volume in terms of targets, he's had 77 targets on the season. But you, you get that sort of, you get that touchdown output that you don't always get with Julio. Um, I used to think that Calvin Ridley was a little bit of a, a touchdown dependent asset, but this season he's had the yards to go with it. He's had the targets and, you know, six touchdowns on the season so far. And he's, he's pretty much every week, you know, he's, other than the weeks where he's had the knock and he's been a little bit more limited leading up to games, he's been absolutely stellar. 19.3 mm. fancy points per game. You know, mm. and he's, like you said, he's, he's really good point that you make about the home games because when you actually look at it in terms of fantasy output as well, it's, it's over 10 points more. Mm. 25.3 to 14.6, it's huge. So, yeah. yeah. And um, I just think that Last week, for whatever reason, the Falcons were terrible fantasy-wise fantasy scoring. He still managed to get 14 points, which isn't awful, but isn't that good. But I kind of almost feel like it's a mulligan last week for the Falcons. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hurst didn't even get a single point, for example. That's not going to happen that again, I don't think. No. So um, I just feel it, was, um, I feel it was a funny week for them. And I think that, you know, we can take advantage of that because they may well be lower owned, even though this is the highest implied uh, implied total for the week yeah i think as well you you've always got what what ridley has is in his advantage is he's in a great scenario that he's on a pass happy offense so the the falcons are always pass first and like you said hurst scoring um you know a duck last week that's it is 
not going to happen again. It's an offense that tends to use its tight end, so it was a surprise. But yeah, I lo- love that Ridley pick. That's one that I'll definitely be looking at myself. So, who do you like at tight end? Ooh, tight end. Speaking Which is a horrible of, position, isn't it? Speaking <laughs> of pass happy tight ends, um, there's one that really stands out to me this week. As we always get with the tight ends, Mark, it's it's a bit of a a crapshoot in terms of position. The, the the output that you get is just so low. I mean, to you know, look, looking down the list, and even your sort of your higher end tight ends are struggling to average ten points per game. So you just always have that uncertainty at the position. But one thing that is absolutely not uncertain is that Derek Carr looks for Darren Waller. So I mentioned earlier that I think that's a really good stack this week. Darren Waller's the the most targeted on his team with 83 targets. He's had five touchdowns this year. That's something that actually let him down last year. I think he only had two. Um, in, in his campaign last year, two or three at most, and he's already got five this this season. So that was something that was letting him down, but the volume was still there. Um, I think, as we've already mentioned, this for me is going to be a bit of a shootout game. So when when games are shootouts like that, what we do know is quarterbacks will always look to the receivers that they target the most. You're always going to get the ball being aired out. Um, I think one of the safest plays in fantasy when it comes to stacking is QB to wide receiver one. And that's essentially what Darren Waller is to, to the Las Vegas Raiders. He is the wide receiver one of that team. Um, despite what Nelson Aguilar's done this season so far, rejuvenated his career, Darren Waller still seems to be the man there. So even though he's priced a little bit more expensive at 6000 than some of the other tight ends, you sort of put him in that bracket with a Travis Kelsey who you know that you're going to get a decent score from him, especially when, when the opposition is is right, which it absolutely is with Atlanta, um, who it won't surprise you, they do give up the most fancy points to tight ends. So it is literally a match made in heaven, really, I think, that one. Bound to fail now. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, it will be because I've got him in my lineup. Nothing more. Um, yeah, who are you liking at, at this favoured position of ours, Mark, at tight end? It's, it's, uh, once you get away from Kelsey and Waller, and Kelsey doesn't even, I don't think has a really good matchup either this week, although in some respects, Kansas City are completely matchup proof anyway. Mm. But I'm going to go to Evan Engram again. I feel like I'm always picking Evan Engram, uh, whether it's on here or in articles. Um, but it kind of continues what I've talked about of liking the Giants this week against the Bengals, who give up the fourth most points to the tight end. He had a bit of a down week last week, and I was wondering whether that was because Golden Tate came back, because Golden Tate missed one of the weeks when Engram had a 10-target game. But looking back at it, in week eight, Engram had a 10-target game and Tate was on the field. So that kind of made me feel good about that. At that around that price range, I think Hunter Henry's probably going to be the most popular pick. So I like Evan Engram as a leverage play off of, um, of a Hunter Henry. So yeah, I do like him. Is there anybody else you like in the tight end? There's only really... I, 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 I like the look of Mike just oh, I say I like the look of it. I, I really don't. <laughs> but, you know, Mike, Mike Jasicki doesn't look like too bad of a play on on paper. You know, the, the Jets really seem to struggle through the middle. They struggle with slot receivers. They seem to struggle with tight ends. 
they've they've given up 14 points on average per week to the position this this season. The only thing I don't like about it is Jasicki seems to have it, it's either boom or bust week. So he either has a week where he's scoring a touchdown and getting somewhere around the 80 90 yards mark or he's he's coming in with maybe two catches for 30 or 40 yards and I mean that that is the story of most tight ends, I suppose. But in terms of looking at it in, from a matchup perspective, that's the only other one I'd potentially have my eye on at four thousand three hundred. And I don't think his production is hurt per se, depending on who plays at quarterback. Because if Tua if Tua does get benched again for whatever reason, which I can't see against the Jets, that is a perfect opposition to actually see what he's you know see what he's got to offer. Um, you know, Jasicki had some of his best games when when Fitzpatrick was slinging the ball there in Miami as well. So that would be the only other one I've really got my eye on. Yeah, I, I because we're forced to pick two, which is our own rules. So I mean, we could have changed it for the tight ends. We should abolish this for tight ends. Yeah, let's yeah, get rid. It's so bad, but I put down Johnu Smith, which is on paper a terrible matchup, but I'm not really worried about that. To be honest, Ferkser is only two point six k, so. If you're going to pick somebody in a terrible matchup, maybe you should go down to him. The only reason I picked him was I just couldn't go any further lower. Looking at the options, I couldn't really go any lower. Mm. Yeah, um, I just Johnny Smith is a little bit like like Jordan Aikens for me. He just he look. I always think he looks good when when you see him playing, and he always looks athletic for the position, etc. And I just think that <laughs> <laughs> you and just, your athletic titans. <laughs> yeah, well, Aikens finally came through last week, didn't he? He had yes. his eighty-eight yards or what? Or ninety-three yards? I can't remember what it was. Top of yeah. my head. And um, I've definitely got him in my Thanksgiving lineup somewhere. But um, this really was struggling to come up with two. Once you take away Kelsey Waller, Ingram, and Henry for me. I don't think there's many others left. You're really just throwing darts at a board. Yeah, it's it it really just isn't a a strong or deep position. And for that reason, Mm. I would always say, unless there's someone that you've really got your eye on, that it could just be a case of throw a dart at a board and whoever's face it lands on, that's who you're going to stick at tight end for that week. Mm. Um, If you're going to throw a dart, you wouldn't throw it at like a three and a half or a four K. You need to go down to like a two point seven or eight six, whatever. Okay, I think. Yeah. So that you can use that money elsewhere. Definitely. And for you know, you've always got that that chance, I suppose. Of you know, if you look further down the list, just a, an example off the top of my head here. You know, Trey Burton, Gerald Everett are priced at the low sort of three thousand bracket, and then a little bit lower than that, you've got Tyler Croft, two thousand nine hundred. So. You know, those are your guys. Irv Smith, three thousand one hundred. I suppose those are the ones where, if you do want to free up your money, then you're not going to get a huge drop off. The difference in them and maybe one of the the top, say, ten, fifteen tight ends that are scoring points per game, you're probably looking at a difference of maybe five to ten points per week mark on an average week. I would say, if so, at most, when you take away those top end ones, I just see Tyler Eifert's only two point six. He's had five, four and five targets the last three games. He hasn't done much with those, but at that sort of price, he doesn't need to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, horrible position. We spend way too much time talking about say, tight end, I think. Absolutely. But that's because <laughs> we care. We care about the tight ends. Um, we'll move on to the other horror position in <laughs> daily fantasy sport, yeah. the defence special team. So anyone who you've got your eye on this week, Mark? 
Um, I don't, there's no not much need for too much analysis on these, is there? Um, <laughs> I like the Giants D because they're going up against Cincinnati. Uh, for all the reasons we've talked about so far, uh, Brandon Allen's just been announced as a starter for Cincinnati. So uh, we, I think um, the Giants actually, I think, yeah, they get a decent pass rush anyway. Yeah. They've got 25 sacks a season so far. So, and they've been, the last few weeks, they've been pretty consistent. And I also like the Vikings at 2.3 if I really need to save money. Because they're going up against Carolina, which will either be a slightly injured Teddy Bridgewater or PJ Walker, who I think, with the coaches, have another week of film now with him in that offense, won't be as successful as he was last week. Yeah. So I like. Um, I like them. What about yourself? So I, initially, the Bills are the ones that caught my eye because even though I think that game is is going to be a bit of a shootout, I feel like all the Bills games, uh, maybe two or three of them, have been shootouts this season. They they seem to concede a lot of points, but they score a lot themselves. Thankfully for the Bills fans, but I think again similar reason why I looked at the Vikings last week. When you look at the Bills, they've what they're doing now that they weren't doing earlier in the season is turning the ball over. So, you know, in, in the last four weeks, they've had five interceptions. They've also had five, uh, four defensive fumble recoveries. So if you're going to pick a defense and they're able to turn the ball over, there's always that chance of of a decent score. I mean, Justin Herbert looks the business for the Chargers, but he's not really had that that god-awful game just yet. Um, and the Bills are, are coming off by a week, well-rested. The sacks always seem to be there. So I like them at the price at 2700 The You know, you've got to scroll a little bit further down on the list to get to them. They're wedged comfortably between the Chiefs and the Bucks. So, you know, they're, they're in good company, but de- decent, decent enough. You know, don't expect them to, to shut the Chargers out because that's just... It's probably not going to happen, let's be honest. But you've always got that chance with the Bills' defence that they can turn the ball over and, you know, that the sacks are going to be there as well. At the end of the day, this is this is defence. It, it, it's it's very similar to the tight ends where you could get a single-figure score of three or four. You could end up with a score of 12 or 13. Come the end of your week, that's probably not going to make a massive difference. Interestingly enough, the Bills uh, two weeks ago when they played Seattle, Seattle scored 34 points against them, but the Bills' defence still ended up with 12 points and there wasn't a defensive TD there. That was purely through sacks, fumbles and interceptions. So the point I'm making there is they can score, their their defence can score fantasy points even in a shootout, which is not usually the case. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I like them there at 2,700. I almost am tempted to pivot to the Browns at 3,100, um, especially with Jacksonville starting Mike Glennon this week. I just I probably don't feel as confident in that as I do with the Bills because I do think even though the Browns are scoring higher fancy points per game, the games of late just seem too close for my liking. And the quarterback situation is definitely going to help, but they're on the road and James Robinson's always capable of, of a big game there. So I'm more tempted to go with the Bills, even though I do think, like you said, Mark, that will be a shootout. I think come the end of this week, it's 
there won't be much difference in in the points there. But what you are saving is four hundred dollars, which which does go go elsewhere. It does. And that brings us to the end of the classic lineups, Mark. So, as regular listeners know, this podcast does always end in tears, and that is exactly how we'll be ending it this week. Again, your week ended in tears last week. Hopefully, it will be the same this week. Uh, well, I say that you you certainly won more than I did, so maybe it's my week that ended in tears. Um, so, yeah, the tears have flipped again this week, Mark. We're back on the draft picks, so we're going through sort of tier one, two. Um, you, you, you guys that were selected in first rounds of drafts, tier three, four, the second rounds, and you know so on and so forth. So week in week out, it seems to flip. So we have a week of that, and then we have a week of the positional tiers. Uh, but this is more mixed. But we'll go through them. So tier one, who are you liking there? I'm going with Josh Allen, sticking with the same as those in my. We are my one for one stuff. then because I'm also going with oh, Josh yeah. Allen. Uh, tier two, uh, Daniel Jones. Ooh, that's interesting mm. play, and that was one I almost went with as well. But I am going Matt Ryan. We touched on him earlier on, so mm. yeah, I'll go Matt Ryan there. Tier three, uh, I'm going Josh Jacobs. I'm with you there in Josh Jacobs. Oh. Tier four, <laughs> this isn't going to be much fun, is it? If we pick all the <laughs> same ones, um, I've gone for Evan Ingram to pair him up with Daniel Jones. Nice. Uh, so we've gone different there. I've gone Nelson Aguilar, and that was. Yeah horrible tier to pick from um really really low fancy points per game scoring from tier four they really need to get the fingers out Aguilar I really do like this week I really do like him so he's in he's in my main lineups and stuff quite a lot Um, I feel like I feel like I've picked him because you do like him so that if I do win this week I will remind you that you did say that Uh, we both win if he does well (laughs) (laughs) Tier five. Uh, I've gone for Derek Henry. Yeah, I'm with you there on that. I've gone Derek Henry as well. I just feel like he's um, he's fixture proof, if you will, at the moment. So yeah, mm-hmm. gone with Derek Henry there. Tier six. Uh, Pittman. Dear me, I've gone <laughs> with Pittman as well. This, this week's tiers is, gonna, is, is literally going to hinge on two players. That's four out of six. We've got the same so far. I think it's because we're. As we're doing need more and more of these pods, we're knowing whoever who else, you know, who each other's gonna like and stuff. Yeah. We've actually got quite a lot of players we liked in the classics as well this week, which are the same. Yeah. So it's inevitable. Tier Almost seven. nervous about tier seven now. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone Keenan Allen. Oh, thank God. I uh, see, I've <laughs> I've gone Cooper Cup in this tier. Though oh, I, you, Homer. I know, I know from a biasy, but I c- I can't ignore the production in, in what he's had in, in recent weeks. You know, he was t- targeted 13 times against Tampa Bay. He had a great game. He did everything other than score a touchdown. So I can't ignore that. And I do think we'll beat San Francisco this week. Though I am almost tempted to pivot to Alvin Kamara because I feel like I won't own him in many lineups this week. So it'd just be interesting to own him in a tiers lineup. Yeah, that's quite a good, that's quite a hard tier. There's, you know, you've got Kelsey and Allen and Cup and then Kamara. All good options. Kareem Hunt there as well. Chris mm. Godwin. Yeah, it's quite a yeah. deep tier, that one. Certainly a lot deeper than tier four was. <laughs> and then rounding it off with tier eight, Mark. Well, I'm top and tailing it because I've got Josh Allen in tier one, so I've got Stefan Diggs in tier eight. I've stuck with my man in tier eight. I've gone with Darren Waller. 
Okay, so we've only got four out of eight the same, half of them. So my tiers lineup, I've gone with Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Josh Jacobs, Nelson Aguilar, Derek Henry, Michael Pittman, Cooper Cup, and Darren Waller. I've gone with Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Josh Jacobs, Evan Ingram, Derek Henry, Michael Pittman, Keenan Allen, and Stefan Diggs. Nice. Let's see if the if we end up back at deadlock again or if the lead increases in week 13. An absolute pleasure as always, Mark. Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. Anything that you want to sign off on this week? No, I'm, I'm excited now already for football. It's Wednesday afternoon for us and I'm already excited, too excited. So, yeah, it's looking good. Um, Thanksgiving week, like you say, is always the best week of the year, I think. So, Yeah, this, I, I'm not one for willing time away, but this is a week where it gets to Monday and once the Monday night game's finished, I'm, I'm dying for the week to just fly by so that we can get to Thursday. As you said, we've got 5.30 start, so cannot wait for that. And then we've got the Dallas and Washington football team game. Best of luck there in that game, Mark. Thank you. I'm, I'm, Dallas are probably in my top three teams that I just really dislike. So I do hope you give them a good hiding on Thursday. More so so that we get a happy Mark on next week's pod as well. <laughs> I'd be happy, Mark, if I got my another one of these high-scoring lineups in a higher... <laughs> tournament this week you know it's still bugging me so we will be back with you similar time again next week be sure to check us out on twitter at nick of wigan and where can the listeners find yourself mark i'm at underscore smrf good stuff i'm sure between now and next week's pod we'll be tweeting out fantasy stuff daily fantasy sports and all things nfl but that is a wrap for week 12 so again happy thanksgiving to our american listeners gamble responsibly guys this is your money that you're playing with so only lose what you can afford to what we would always say of course is draft responsibly more importantly to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.